This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Yeah. Um, okay, here we are, unlocking astrology with Sam Reynolds. And before we got on, just before we got on, you said, this is the episode where I'm going to get you into trouble. So I texted you and I said, uh, today we were going to do Aries, but somebody asked a question about the age of Aquarius or the age of something. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So I feel like in the story arc, you know, they're missing pieces foundationally that we have to fill in the blank. So uh, I don't know what an age is or what it even means, but why would talking about the ages get you into trouble? Because I don't fully believe in them. Oh, okay. Um, and many people, um, many people do. And I think it's become popular to talk about the ages and particularly like the age of Aquarius. You've heard of it. Thanks to fifth dimension. This is the dawning of the age of, uh, thanks to hair. Um, and so, Many people have been anticipating the age of Aquarius and then all the quote-unquote positive things that come along with it. But maybe we best to start with what are the ages, right? Which is your oh, wait, Before question. we go to that, we, we also, we had a, a slight religious conversation. It wasn't religious. You know, I think for me, this series, because it is so... Um, controversial from the standpoint spiritually for a lot of folks, particularly those sure. who uh, ascribe to Christianity. Um, as I do, I'm a follower of Christ. You're a follower of Allah. Uh, we're both uh, lovers of God uh, or, or trying to align uh, our lives to, to serve, to serve the, the one most high, whatever you call God, her. Um, so, you know, having this on a Sunday is on purpose too. Pl playing this, Playing this on a Sunday is on purpose, because uh, Sunday is absolutely actually not the Sabbath. You know, there are all of these things that we've been indoctrinated into. When I, I was watching um, Pharrell, uh, his uncle has a show on Netflix, and you know it's a gospel choir they're putting together, and his his uncle sits on this like throne, you know, in this you know the typical church black church where the pastor sits on a throne. And I was mm -hmm. like, Jesus never sat on a throne, ever. He was like among the people, like dressed like everybody else, washing feet and, you know, healing people and turn over tape. Like he was a regular guy who might have been near the water and then people would show up and then he would preach. But this whole majesty, the robes and the throne and the I'm here and the deacon sit there and we're going to wear white and then certain people have seats. And I was like, how is that following Christ? So I said something to you about a greeting and you said, you're not supposed to do that because it's only reserved for, and I'm like, well, but why? And you're like, well, I don't necessarily agree with that either. I think this is the time for us to examine everything that we thought we believed and break it so that we could put our lives back together and live our well, full. Yeah, I do that as a regular practice. Um, I do that as a practice pretty much, I would say, seven years or 12 year increments where I take literally everything I believe and I examine it. And like, if I don't fully feel it, don't believe it, it goes in the trash. Like so clothes. like clothes in the closet, like you have clothes in the closet, the bag it up and take it to Goodwill. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I think that is a good practice that people should have 
Um, I think generally, you know, whether you want to do it, I think it might be a little extreme to do it every year, <laughs> but maybe every three years, every so often where you kind of check in. Um, so even with that, you know, when I learned that greeting, so what, to give it fully for your viewers um, and listeners, he said, assalamu alaikum. I said the full greeting, which is why alaikum salam. And then one of the things I was told early on, I said, wa alaikum salam, rahmatullahi barakatuh. Um, what I was told fully, you know, on was that you're supposed to give that to Muslims. And I was like, okay, not, not to regular people, no. Because you, just, you could say, wa alaikum. Because they could be saying, because, um, you know, salam is the peace part. They could be like cursing you you know, in terms of how they're saying it. When they say, assalamu alaikum, they could be just saying it to mock you. And then you're saying, may the peace of Allah be upon you, right? So, you know, I still think, I could still say, may the peace of Allah be upon you, even right? If, even if you're mocking even if me. Your intent, even if your intent, and I think, you know, this, this is important as we, before we get into these ages, because I think, you know, you don't treat people the way they treat you, right? A right. person's intent, we can't control. The only thing we can't control is ourselves. So wishing peace and blessings upon somebody, even if they mean you harm, doesn't take anything away from you. As a matter of fact, I think it adds, it's like this, this is a scripture about heaping hot coals on somebody's head. Right. Like, and the Prophet scared. Muhammad was like that. I mean, like he literally would have a woman who like would dump garbage on his head, you know, every time he passed by her house. Right. And when she, when uh, he passed by and no garbage fell, he went looking after her and discovered that she was sick, right? And visited her. And she was like, why would you do this when I've done nothing but, you know, done hateful things to you? Because of she, he and he said, because of Allah, you know, and the love of Allah. And I believe she became a Muslim, right? You know, that's, and not that you should have that intent, but, you know, you can't curse people. This is why it's an interesting moment, especially for Muslims. So there's a, whole nother discussion um that we have because i understand why you're doing this for on sundays and i think majority of black folks are christian if they're going to be any particular religion but don't forget and, I, and i'm also saying this for my arab sisters and brothers the first people in this country who had a religion right in terms of you know coming to this country were black muslims yes you know and arabs yes. Arabs like to forget that. Yeah. Right. You know, Arabs seem to forget that. Be like, you know, we come here, we bring Islam. No, 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 no. We didn't bring Islam. Right. So I think that's important that black, black American Muslims have been here a long time, even if we couldn't be out and practicing our religion. And in many of the practices on the plantations, Islam is woven in. Mm-hmm. Islam, Yoruba, all, I mean, you know, we brought yeah. on those slave ships because they 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 purposefully uh, mixed people up so they they couldn't communicate. Right. All of the founding principles spiritually came on those slave ships, along with the crops, along right. with the ingenuity and the craftsmanship and all of that. Spirituality was the first thing. And, and you, that, it, I should mend my statement. I should say of the Abrahamic religions because yeah. Yoruba you know, definitely classifies as a religion. And then what I love about Yoruba is it also makes allowance for all the other religions, the Abrahamic religions, you know, your ancestors and things like that. So much yeah. like the Baha'i, which we could, you know, we could, we could, you and I could talk religion all day, but we're here to t- unlock astrology as a gateway. You know, I think uh, astrology is a gateway drug. 
<laughs> to 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 uh, understand, you know, just starting to think differently about a host of things. And and again, I've never been read. I've never had a reading. I don't know that I will. I don't know that I believe in, you know, having somebody read what your proclivities are, what you should be doing. I think self-discovery, just for me personally, I think that the joy of finding out things about myself on my own, you know, and learning about people through, you know, through how I see the world and then challenging myself. Uh, that's part of the work. So I, I enjoy doing it. I don't want to cheat. So I, that's, I feel like in many ways, you know, having somebody do a reading for me is cheating. Uh, and I don't want to cheat. I want to have experience every single morsel of life. But, but that doesn't you know, stop with a reading. What, I mean, so, that doesn't stop that. I mean, like, so a reading at its best, whether we're talking about a tarot reading, an astrological reading, or, you know, Ifa reading, um, gives you a language. And even I would say a dossier that you can take, you know, especially if it's insightful, to build on other things, to discover even more about yourself, you know, and actually can become a different confirmation. So if you know that you have a tendency to lie to yourself, but you don't really deal with that as much, right? But then you hear someone else say like, well, you know, stop lying to yourself. Oh, wow, wait, how do you know that, right? So it becomes a way in which you, you get insight to something that, yes, you may know, also something you may not contend with. But someone else saying something still does have an influence on you than just you saying it to yourself. All right, maybe by the end of this, Sam... Maybe. And I'm not trying to sway you. I get it. I I but know. I just had to counter that point because I don't think I don't think in any way that it's delayed more my pursuit, you know, pursuits into astrology has delayed my pursuit into learning more about myself because sometimes it gives me the lattice work. It gives me the, you know, the structure by which to even reach things that are beyond my ken of astrology or ways in which I can go deeper that are not just about astrology. Okay. So tell us about these ages. Okay. Well, as an, a neat segue into talking about the ages, well, rather than starting with its technicalities, we can see some measure of its presence as an idea in even the Bible. So one of the things that when I started learning astrology and reflecting on you know, religion is that dynamic moment um, when the children of Israel are out in the desert having escaped Pharaoh, right? And Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to get, you know, um, the Ten Commandments or what we know now as the Ten Commandments. And the children of Israel go back to worshiping a calf, right? And so that represents the movement, you know, of going from Taurus into the age of the ram because the ch children of Israel were supposed to sacrifice a calf. I mean, a calf, a, an actual lamb, um, just like Abraham was going to, or did actually, after he was not going to sacrifice one of his sons. I'm, when I say one of his sons, I just will say very briefly, Muslims say it was Ishmael, Jews say it was Isaac. We'll just leave that alone, right? So Wait, wait, wait. So wait, uh, this is the first time I'm hearing. So the 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 scripture where you know uh abraham is is asked by god to sacrifice his son the folks who follow islam believe that son was ishmael who was his son that was his firstborn son mm -hmm. jews believe that it was isaac and christians too son of 
and Christians, mm -hmm. the son of the son of uh, Sarah, who mm -hmm. she had at ninety nine or whatever, and she was not patient. Correct. Uh, okay. That blew my that blew my mind too when I was when I got deeper into Islam. I was like, wait, what? Oh, because there's even a holiday dedicated to that in Islam. So, Thank and you. that's where you hear that story. But so one thing that highlights that distinction, you know, in terms of the transition of the ages, where we have, you know, the calf, the the Taurus, the bull, and then moving into the idea of the sheep. And you might say, like, wait, Aries comes before Taurus. Well, the great ages, as we talk about them, move backwards. So they go from, we could say, Gemini to Taurus to Aries to Pisces to Aquarius, and then they'll go to Capricorn and so on. They take 2,160 years to complete, right? So they change by a degree in relation to the constellations every 72 years. So every 72 years, they're going to go backwards a degree until they get to the very next sign that precedes it, right? So it's going to go, it starts off, when we get to the quote-unquote age of Aquarius, it's going to start off at 29 degrees and 59 minutes of Aquarius. And then it's going to go and get to eventually... 29 degrees and 59 minutes of Capricorn being backwards. Now, right now, there's a question, you know, are we in the age of Aquarius when I talked last week about Jupiter and Saturn coming together in the sign of Aquarius? Many believe that's either going to cement the age of Aquarius or it's going to begin the age of Aquarius. But technically what the ages are is the alignment of constellations literally like the constellation of Pisces or the constellation of Aquarius at the vernal equinox, at the actual point. When we are talking about the sun being at that particular point that we call spring, March 21st, or sometimes it's the 20th, sometimes it's the 22nd. But at that particular point that we in tropical astrology call zero degrees Aries, where is the actual sun? What constellation is it lined up with? The constellation that it's lined up with right now is Pisces. So that's literally the constellation. And this, this is important. There are, three con there are three zodiacs that astrologers reference when we talk about zodiacs. I think I mentioned this before. If I didn't, I, forgive me. So when I say there are three zodiacs, there's the constellations which we reference and look at in the actual sky. And then there are the two zodiacs that are more approximations of those constellations. So that would be the tropical zodiac, which is what we normally talk about in the West. You know, when you say, I'm, I'm a Scorpio, you're a Taurus, blah, blah, blah. That's mostly what I do. Then the other one is the sidereal zodiac. <clears throat> and the sidereal zodiac is still also an approximation because the constellations are not all the same size. Some are bigger, um, some are very small. So for instance, if we're talking about the sun moving through the constellation of Virgo, it would be over 40 days. If we were talking about it moving through the constellation of Aries, it would be way under, maybe under 30 days, but like 20 days. If we were moving through Capricorn also, Capricorn is fairly small. So they're not gonna be the same size. So our predecessors always used an approximation to kind of keep it even, keep it 360, and keep it useful in terms of that system. Um, 
they may have known and they didn't know about Ophiuchus or Ophiuchus, the 13th constellation, but 13 doesn't fit neatly in terms of using that. So they didn't use it. They didn't see the point. So it was much more mathematical as a construct. So the mathematical constructs that equal 30 degrees for every sign is tropical. Sidereal um, uses a particular star in the heavens. Most of the sidereal astrologers use Spica. And so Spica is right in the middle of the Virgin, the constellation of the Virgin, or what we might also call Virgo, but that's more the sign. But Virginis is actually the star we're talking about. And they cook that particular star as the beginning of their zodiac. And then they start that as the zero point. And it's actually zero degrees, supposedly zero degrees Libra. And then they imagine all the way around to Aries. Now, so those are the three zodiacs. So when astronomers come up to astrologers and say like, well, you know, there really are 14 constellations. Um, I don't know why I'm talking like that, but you get the idea. They sound a little like that to me. But so when, when they do that, they don't realize like, dude, we've never used the constellations that way, right? We've used the stars. We've used the stars in the constellations, but the const construction of the zodiac has never been contingent just solely on those constellations. So that would be a fool's errand. It's kind of like, well, now it has 20 days and this stuff. We don't do that. But for the beginning of seasons and starting from, you know, Aries, the vernal equinox, we're talking about the alignment of a particular constellation to that particular point where the sun is actually. So the sun is roughly now about five degrees in Pisces. That's called the synetic vernal point. You can look it up in an ephemeris and it's called SVP, but that's the same thing. Now, because I told you it changes a degree going backwards every 72 years, that means we're about 500 years away from the actual start of the age of Aquarius. So when people say, oh, we're in the age of Aquarius, they're not using the measure that historically was used for 2,160 years of doing it. I'm not saying they're wrong. I don't get into those arguments anymore. I used to, but I don't get in that argument. It's like, well, you know, it's kind of like, if I were to say to you, meet me at dawn, and we were going to go by when we perceive the sun going up, or we're going to go using civil you know, time, you know, the civil twilight or whatever, we might have two different meanings, right? It's like, well, you said dawn, and it's like right now, blah, blah, blah. So it's the same kind of issue we have when we're talking about this. So people feel like, yeah, we're the dawning of the age of Aquarius. So Aquarius is kind of coming up, and it began in 1960. Talked to another astrologer, began in 1970, 1973 with this. Talked to another one. It's like, you may get five different answers on when this start is, but mathematically, astronomically, it is one thing. And it's going to be more so an approximate time. Um, if people want to read like a pretty thorough um, an examination of this, a recent book that's out, and I'm not all that favorable to the book, I mean, I like it somewhat, is Alexander Boxer's A Scheme of Heaven. He is an, he's a physicist and a data, data scientist who has a passing interest in hobby in astrology, but he's not an astrologer. So he's approaching it from a skeptical lens. Um, so he talks very diligently and thoroughly as someone who's outside of the field about the actual age of Aquarius. So in the ages itself. Um, Why does it matter? Like, who cares? Like, what, is, <laughs> what does it matter if we're an you? age of Aquarius or? Well, it matters to people who are into the ages. 
Um, because just as I gave you that story of the shift in consciousness from going from the age of Taurus the bull into the age of Aries, they believe it, it gives them a schema in a way by which understanding world history and the shifts and movements of history. So the age of, you know, the shift from the age of Aries into the age of Pisces, the fish, Many see that as very significant related to the age of Christianity. Wait, how do you get across for Christianity? Well, remember what Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, right? And also in terms of the ancient symbol that was related to, you know, that was drawn in the catacombs when the Romans were hunting Christians were fish, right? They would draw as related to their religion, the idea of the fish. So many believe that, that, that they were hooked into the idea of the great ages. Um, and so they would say that we're moving from the age of Pisces and all that's attached with Pisces. And people attribute a lot of things to the age of Pisces. It was the age of navigating the seas and dominating the seas, which brought a lot of horrible things. Colonialism, enslavement, you know, these are the things that proliferated during that particular time. And then um, if you associate Neptune with Pisces, then this is like the age related to oil, because Neptune also signifies oil. And so people look at this particular age and the Pisces age, and they see it as a symbol of oppression. They see it as a symbol of um, related to Neptune and Jupiter, which is a sign that traditionally ruled Pisces. They see that as expansion, globalism, and Virgo many associate with servitude. So they see that as both oppression and enslavement and all these other things with it. So they see the coming age of air, right? Aquarius as liberation, as and this is why hair had it, like this is the coming dawning of the age of Aquarius, right? It's kind of embracing a new way. And then many are excited with the idea and the dominance of air. Um, when you hear more about like the web, the World Wide Web, and then TV, and then what we can broadcast and bring alive through the air, all these other things. And so they see it as a positive thing. Now, my first levels of doubt about the ages actually came from contemplating the ages themselves, the coming age. So you, you're still a Christian. I'm a former Christian. I just talked about, you know, the coming age of air, Aquarius. So what rang in my mind is like the prince of the air, right? The prince of the air is Satan, right? The Lord of the air. Well, I thought he was the Lord of flies. He's that too, but he's also the Lord. He's the prince of the air. Didn't I know that? Okay, learn something yeah. today. As you're talking, I'm thinking about fifth dimension, as you mentioned. I'm thinking about earth, wind, and fire. I'm thinking about a lot of the groups in the 70s were connected to probably absolutely in a way that you know we're singing these songs but they even uh funkadelic and all like they they in, ingrained these notions Aaron, into make no mistake this is why this is this is interesting so a 2001 harris poll and then subsequent harris polls 2003 i don't know most recently statistically black people and i think it's mainly americans believe more in, in astrology than every ethnic group more than white people, more than Latinos. I don't think they even took it as much for Asians. We have always been somehow hooked into astrology. The thing is, we're not necessarily writing the books that people read to learn about astrology. We're not talking at these conferences, 
all these other things, but we're hooked in more statistically in terms of the people who respond to these surveys from like the Harris Poll who say, I believe in astrology. So especially in the 70s, what's interesting, I have forgotten all about this. My parents, you know, they were Christians. My mom was more Christian than my dad. My dad was in crime, right? So that's the whole different Wait, story. Was in crime? In See, crime. Crime, okay. He was yes, he had a, you know, regular job, but he was- But he also dabbled in- uh, under, yeah, yeah. It wasn't dabbled, it was actually, he was very involved in it and the job was a cover. It was like Sopranos, right? That's a whole different other story. Okay. But- You have to write a book. Okay. <laughs> um, but I remember they had inset a Zodiac uh, cutting board. And I used to look at it, and you remember, I, I hated astrology, and I didn't understand it. But I just really recently got that memory. I was like, yo, they, were they really into astrology? I know my mom knew about being a Libra, but they didn't know their charts, I'm sure. And we had dream books, because my dad just, you know, people anticipating people, he was not into drugs. He was a bank for the numbers, right? Which was the precursor to the lottery, right? So his thing, he had dream books. Of course we had dream books, right? We give out dream books, you know, because that was the whole way in which he also made money. And they have in those dream box, dream books, you know, from Dr. Herbert, you know, things about the Zodiac. So I remember reading those. Anyway, so we've been into astrology and it went through, we had Jertha Love, who was really one notable astrologer. Um, you know, so we have people who were really doing the thing. I mean, Essence, you know, kudos to Essence, because I think Essence was the only Black public publication that regularly had a horoscope column, right? So, um, and that even goes back into the early 80s. And then, you know, I was just listening to Fly Girl. You know, Fly Girl, Fly Girl, my name is Boogie Knight, and I'm a Capricorn. You know, it's kind of, we, we've always had it. Float on, my right. name is Larry. Pisces and I'm I'm like what <laughs> yeah so they had it wow. so I think we've been there I think um and in many ways you know I mentioned Egypt Egypt is you know let's be clear Western astrology as we know it was born in an African country they may have been under the domain of Romans at that time but they also were um, cannibalizing and using, you know, native indigenous ideas, which was from, you know, definitively African and definitively black. So those ideas become incorporated based on, that's why I said it's a Mediterranean project that draws on, yes, what was happening in Babylon, maybe India, some ideas that were gestating in Greece, but in terms of using the idea of the houses, the ages and related to the signs and systematizing the signs, because the Babylonians at one point actually had 18 signs that they referenced. And so the Greeks were like, yo, why so many? Because <laughs> they like, the Greeks were very much into numbers that they actually also learned from Egyptians. You know, one of the things that, you know, when we learn in school, we learn about Pythagorean theorem, right? But we don't learn much about Pythagoras. And that's mostly because they don't want, no, want folks to know, like the full story about P Pythagoras is that he was, and the idea of using numbers and referencing numbers as a way of understanding spiritual symmetry. The masters of that for his particular era and age 
were in Egypt. And so he would go to Egypt to study. And Socrates, who right. took him up, the reason why he was an aberration is that he will he was taking African philosophy, the, the circle where you're teaching and the questioning. Adam, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was not a Grecian uh, process, which is why it was such an aberration, which is why he had to kill himself, right? Because he's bringing this African philosophy into this Grecian space and teaching young people to question everything. But absolutely. When I was when I was in when I was at Temple, you know, and if if people want to read another book from a white man who describes this as well. I mean, we have plenty of books like, you know, Stolen Legacy, The African Origin of Civilization. Um, but if you want to read, you know, some people feel, you know, even some white people feel better reading white people. Um, Martin Bernal has a two volume book or series called Black Athena. And where he documents the origins of not just classicism, you know, in terms of absorbing Greek, I'll get to that, and you know, Greek thought, but even the Greeks. And one of the things that he spells out is that the origins of many Greek thoughts come from Egypt. And so in terms of the axial age, which is supposed to be a, a great age, roughly around 600, 500 BC, where it was like the flowering of consciousness, whether